Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Uh, it's so wonderful to have you, have you with us. My name's Brad, and I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're going to have a great morning this morning. I hope, I hope you're hungry this morning, yeah? All right, all three of us are going to get fed this morning. Amen. Now, all good. Hey, I've got some exciting news uh, before I get into the sermon this morning, and that is that on Friday night, we had some baptisms here at youth. How good is that? Yeah, come on, baptisms. Come on, we should clap like it was your son or your daughter. Amen. And so um, I'm not sure um, if uh, Shalini's probably not here, is she? I'm looking at the youth sort of leaders. Charlene, if you're in the house, come forward now, please. Anyway, Charlene was one of the young ladies that got baptised, and I loved hearing her story. Wasn't it amazing how she articulated what God has been doing in her life? Such a wonderful thing. So good. And Tom and Tim baptised Charlene, and uh, great to hear that testimony. But also who got baptised was Kaya Hendry. And so Kaya, I'm going to invite Kaya and... um, Josh and Kate, do you want to come up too? And I just want to give you a baptism certificate. We want, it happened on a Friday night, but I think it's important as a family on a Sunday morning, come on up, that we celebrate as a family. And uh, here's a little certificate to remember, Kaya, for you. And you were baptised, very special, by your granddad, Pastor Rob Furlong, who's uh, pastor in the Baptist churches. And so what a special privilege for him to... He came to youth group on Friday night. <laughs> and Josh and Kate, I just want to pray a prayer over you guys and over Kaya and just celebrate this moment. Would you join with me? Father, we just thank you for the Hendry family. We thank you for what you're doing in and through this family. And we just thank you for Kaya's decision to be baptised. And Father, we just bless her. We just thank you, Lord, that as she went through the waters of baptism, she shows a heart of obedience to you a desire to follow you. Would you fill her Holy Spirit with all the strength and everything she needs every day forward, Father, as she lives for you. We pray a blessing over Josh and Kate and their their parenting of Kaya, and we just give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, you know, that was uh, coming up. Um, We also, uh, Charlene, I didn't actually, I've never met her, but um, that was fantastic. So, uh, I won't say more about it. We'll, maybe, we'll get her at church another time and give her, tell her I've got this certificate for her. So that's all good. Um, but yeah, youth is a big part and, and forming more and more of a part as we recognise where God's hand is on in the life of our church when it comes to mission is a big part of, of youth and, and what God is doing there when we see these baptisms and salvations. And so out in the foyer, just to let you know, there is a booklet in the next step area called Faith Promise. And we've got Faith Promise coming up, and I'm really excited on July 30th when it kicks off Faith Promise. And Faith Promise is a month of focusing, highlighting, and looking at the mission of our church. And what we're doing, just to give it context, is we're building a foundation in Jerusalem. Now, we're not in Jerusalem, all right? And we're not reaching out to Jerusalem, but this is our Jerusalem. It's, the Bible says you, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be a witness where? Where you are first. It starts here, it starts now. And so Kalamunda is our Jerusalem. It's where God has called us, He's planted us, and we're not here for no reason. We're here for this season and there's a reason for it, amen? And I know that I'm here on purpose and you're here on purpose. 
And so we want to reach out and see Kalamunda transformed and that's going to start a foundation of what mission looks like in the life of Kalamunda Church. And youth is a big part of that, families are a big part of that, uh, going to the schools is a big part of that and you're going to hear all about that and I'm not going to announce it now because tomorrow I'm waiting for confirmation but I have a very exciting guest speaker who's going to finish off the month so get excited and start wondering all through my sermon, who's he talking about? But it's going to be, if I can lock him in tomorrow's D-Day and I'm like... So I've just given away 50% of it. It's a male. But, um, so I'm excited about that. But there are booklets with more information in the foyer and they do go out in our weekly newsletter. All good? Awesome. Hey, uh, um, you would have heard on church news that I'm talking, we're doing, kicking off uh, a week of prayer. Who gets excited about prayer? I don't. I'm just being honest. Like for me, prayer is something that I've, I've actually got to, I've got to, it's like, you know, I've got to keep at it. I've got to, yeah, I need to stay in tune. But it's not something I always get excited about. But you know what? I'm just being honest with you. And it's not like work, but the more I realize that God just loves me and my whole life is a prayer, you start to delight in it. But there are times of intentional focused prayer. And we are calling our church to a time of intentional focused prayer for the first fruits of the new financial year, uh, for the rest of this year, for the first week of July. And I'm going to speak to that this morning. Uh, actually, it is what my sermon is about, about this week of prayer, because I'm actually going to request, I'm putting out some prayer requests, three specific prayer requests this morning. Yes, we're in a season on the Holy Spirit, uh, a series, sorry, on the Holy Spirit, and this ties in with that, because you can make anything tie in with the Holy Spirit, can't you, really? But the, the prayer does. Uh, and I, I just felt led this week to go to this area of Scripture and to, to speak to this, to the life of our church for where we're at. But that's coming up, and we're going to open the church 7 a.m. from Monday week, and, um, and I'm going to be championing that. So I'll be here every morning at 7 a.m. opening the church, and feel free to come, maybe bring your Bible. You could use that morning to do your devotion, but just to spend time praying over these three areas I'm about to give you. So if you're a note-taker, Take notes. If you remember it up here, even better. Um, but I wonder if you've ever been through a time in your life where you've really reached out in prayer. Often they come in crisis times, yeah? Often dark times. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever come at a time where you're going through something and you're actually reaching out for someone to pray for you, but you're really specific about who that person is? I know I have in certain times that we've been through. Uh, there's been a time where I've actually asked someone not to pray for me because I didn't really like their faith, to be honest. That's how real I was like, don't pray for that. I don't like that prayer. So I'm actually quite specific about who prays for me. Have you ever been really encouraged when someone says to you, I'm praying for you, and you know they mean it? It's not like just, you know cliche. <laughs> it really is encouraging. I'm here today and I'm doing what I do today because of people who have prayed for me. My mum being number one. So mum, you're listening to the podcast. I love you. Um, and, and my mum and other people who have been praying for me, and, but I'm really specific about that. I want to give you some good news this morning. There is somebody praying for you right now and he is a real spiritual person. He's like the, a real Spiro up there, so you could not get a better person praying for you, and his name is Jesus Christ. Come with me in the book of Hebrews, and in Hebrews, it's all about the priesthood of Jesus. Now, Jesus is our king, but he's also our priest. 
And I'm not going to go through uh, the whole context of Hebrews because I want to close in in chapter 7 and verse 23. But I want to encourage you that G, you have somebody praying for you, interceding for you, the Bible says. His name is Jesus. I mean, who, who better? Imagine saying to somebody this afternoon, you should see who my prayer, prayer partner is. It's Jesus. And it's true. And you can say this and you'll get this from the Word of God in a minute with all confidence. See, Jesus in Hebrews is all about him being the priest in the order of Melchizedek. And this fellow Melchizedek, whole another sermon, but he's an interesting guy in the Old Testament who sort of has no beginning and no end. He sort of comes on the scene and then he's off the scene. And there's a reason for that. It's because the type of priest that Jesus is, is a priest of eternal, permanent, uh, uh, permanent and, where's my other P word, perpetual um, priesthood that we have. See, priests would come and go. Who knows that pastors will come and go? Who knows that Christian leaders will come and go? The person praying for you will come and go. But you have an eternal priest in heaven. His name is Jesus interceding for you and he's praying for you. And it's a powerful, powerful thought. The, um, let, let's get into it. Let's get into the word of God. Hebrews 7 verse 23 says this. Now there, be, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. Of course, they're just human. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely, or one translation, save to the uttermost, never, never ending, completely those who come to God through him. Catch this, this is the, this is the title of the sermon, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. So a priest in the Old Testament would do a couple of things. They would sacrifice for the people and intercede on behalf of the people, have intercession. Jesus is now the permanent. We don't need a priest. We don't have a pope. We don't have a priest, that sort of thing. We go straight to the big fella. And I don't mean that irreverently, but we do. We go straight to God through Jesus. We have direct access, every Christian here. One of the actual things that the Churches of Christ denomination was founded on, one of our core foundings, there's a few, one of them was the priesthood of all believers. And that was different and that was set apart. That's part of our history that you have as much access to God as I have to God, yeah? That you're in full-time ministry and I'm in full-time ministry. That we're all the priesthood of believers. And the, the thing is, the reason we have that is because Jesus is our great high priest. He is the one that has sacrificed for us fully, completely. And he is the one that intercedes for us on our behalf before God. And it's an interesting thought that Jesus is representing us before God and we are representing him before people. That's the difference. So Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, exalted on high. He's sent the Holy Spirit. And as he is, so are we in this world, that we are victorious in Christ, that we are uh, overcomers and that we represent, we represent Jesus to the world because he represents us before God. And when he represents you before God, you are holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners. That's really good news. Jesus represents you to God in that way that you are, and that's what the Fruit of the Spirit series was all about, knowing who you are, knowing how God sees you and living up to your, who you really are in Christ. Amen. And so I love that thought that we are represented perfectly and now we re 
represent Jesus to the world. Now it says that he is always lives to intercede for us. What does this mean? That Jesus is always praying, always pointing to what he has done. Um, you'll get a picture of that in a minute. So I'm going to give you these three prayer points, three prayer points. But the assurance of our salvation is on the priestly intercession of Christ. It is helpful to think about the nature of his intercession. What is Jesus praying for? Why does he sit in that intercession for us? What does it mean? So here you go. Ready? Here's what it means. It's very good. Number one is Jesus, and you'll get these scriptures from John chapter 14 through to 17. I'm going to land in John 17, which is known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And there's three things out of that I want to draw that I would love you and I request, prayer request that we as a church pray for going into the next half of this year. And number one is this, Jesus is praying for our protection and our strength. So in John chapter 17, when Jesus starts praying, one of the longest passages in the Bible of red letters, you'll just see red letters everywhere because it's Jesus praying and it says that he's praying not just for the believers that he's with, but for all believers. And in verse 15, it says this, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world, the world, sorry, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. I love that. Jesus is saying, I'm praying for you. I'm not praying to take you out of the world. I'm not, not praying that you come to heaven right now with me. I'm representing you here. It's all good. But I'm praying that while you're in the world, you'd be powerful. You'd be on mission. You'd be about my assignments. I'm praying that the evil one would not hinder what I want you to do in this world. That's really what he's saying, that the evil one, the schemer, has schemes to stop. But Jesus is saying, you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that he, the evil one won't stop. I, I want you to be in this world, as they say, not of this world. I want you to be protected from the devil's plans. Why? Because I want you to make an impact on the world more than the world makes an impact on you. That's really what he's praying. Can I have my water, please? Um, thanks. Do you want to finish the sermon off? Okay. <laughs> and that's what he's praying, that I want you to, to, to impact this world more than this world impacts you. Because who knows we live in a world that really impacts us, yeah? Who knows that the, the church, uh, we're meant to look different from the world, yeah? Set apart. And it's a bit like when Jesus was on earth, he was in the world, man. He was with the world. He was with the tax collectors. He was with the sinners. He was, he was with the prostitutes. I don't know if you've been watching The Chosen. I know on Wednesday night, fortnightly, Dave Francis's group watched The Chosen. How cool is that? That is such a good, uh, it's so good. And there's one scene in there where Jesus is just sitting at the table with like the rat bags and he just winks at one of them. It's just like, it's not, it's not actually in the Bible, but you've got to watch The Chosen. It's so good. But I love, that's my Jesus. He's like, he's in the world. He's real. He connects with people. He's relevant. He talks to farmers about farming stuff, fishermen about fishing stuff. He's not like, he's not on another planet. You know, he's actually in and part of the world. But when he touches lepers, he doesn't get leprosy. They get healed. So when the world touches you or you touch the world, who's making the biggest impact? That's the question. Are they impacting you and are you catching their disease or are you giving them the gospel? Are you having an impact on them? Jesus is saying, I'm praying for protection. I'm praying for strength. I'm praying that you will make an impact in this world. That's, can you pray that this month 
as we go into this next new month in July, can you be praying that we are the kind of church that is protected from the evil plans of the enemy, the kind of church that is on mission, the kind of church that keeps the main thing the main thing, because that's the main thing. I love in, in, um, in Luke chapter 22, I think it's on the screen, and there's this section where Jesus is talking to Simon Peter, or Simon who's going to be Peter, and he says to Simon something, he says, Simon, Simon, notice when, you know, when your mum says your name twice, Bradley, Bradley, pay attention, Simon, Simon, he says, he says, Satan, catch this, has asked to sift all of you as wheat. That's the, I, would, I wouldn't like that news. <laughs> all right, Satan's talking about me. Satan talks about churches that are having impacts. Satan talks about people that are going to make an impact. Satan talks about leaders that are going to have an impact. Do you don't think Satan was threatened by Peter? This, this sword-wielding, ear-chopping, denying person, fearful Peter, but he was scared of him because something was on the inside of Peter. And something on the inside of him was going to bear some fruit. And he's like, Jesus knew it and he said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And when he sifts the wheat, the wheat gets so much sifted, it becomes impotent. It becomes not able to produce because it's sifted that much. And when he sifts you and sifts you, what he's really targeting is your fruitfulness. The devil is, is after the fruit that could come out of your life this week. He, he might hate you, but he hates the fruit this week even more. He wants to sift you, and sometimes you get sifted through discouragement, sifted through disappointment, sifted through the death of a thousand cuts, just another thing, just another thing. And so you become impotent, not able to produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And the devil wants to sift you like wheat. But then Jesus says this, I love this in verse 32, But I have prayed. For you, Jesus says, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Oh, I'm getting excited. about. I love this point. Peter, Simon, he may have fell, but he did not fail. He may have fell when he denied Jesus three times and the devil's thinking, rubbing his hands together. Yes, yeah, see, he may have fell. And he's, but you know, when Jesus came back and restored him, he said, Simon, Peter, do you love me? He says, I love you. He said it again. Do you love me? I love you. Do you love? He said it three times, the same amount of times that he denied Christ. Jesus just wanted to reaffirm and say, I know you love me. I know you're for me. I know you're with me and I'm restoring you. I don't care what you went through. I don't care that you fell over. I'm just glad you're back up again. And that's the heart of God. The heart of God is not that you stay down, that you feel downtrodden. But the Bible says a righteous man, though he falls seven times, will get back up. Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Simon fell, but he did not fail. I love Simon Peter and when Jesus changed his name to Peter. Did you know that he then led the church? He's our church leader. Like, who would you pick to lead the church? Oh, that guy that denied me. Now, who would you pick to lead the early church and be the leader and stand up and lead 3,000 people to, to Jesus? That guy that is hot-tempered and pulls out and cuts ears off when he shouldn't. That guy, pick him. I want to encourage you this morning. You might be like Peter. You might feel like the last person on God's list, but you are the first, I'm telling you this morning. He loves you so much, and he's looking for leaders that don't have it all together, but are willing to get back up and just say, Lord, use me. 
And my prayer this month, my prayer going into a new year is that can we pray for all people in this church? I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God loves you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. And we want to see people rise up into their God-given callings that their enemies' plans would be put to naught and they would come into all that God's got for them. That's what we're praying for, yeah? That's what we're believing for. There's some Simons in this place that are going to get a name change. Amen. The second prayer point that I'd love us to adopt from Jesus in his high priestly prayer is for transformation and sanctification. There's a big church word. Feel like you're at Bible college right now. Sanctification. Just say it this week and sound like you're theologically clever. So I learned about sanctification this week. What did you learn about? Anyway, sanctification is a big church word that really means becoming like Jesus. That's the Shearer's Bible definition, becoming like Jesus. So much easier to understand. Sanctification is the process to become what you already are. I love that. (laughs) You already have the fruit of the Spirit. You already are righteous. You're not trying to get righteous. You're just trying to become who you already are. I don't have to try and be a Patterson. I just already am one. So walk in who you are. You don't have to try to be, just walk in what God's given you. As you feed on the Word of God, as you're filled with the Spirit of God, becoming all that you are. The Bible says this in verse 17, the next one in John 17. It says this, sanctify them. That's that word, sanctification. Sanctify them, set them apart. Uh, then by the truth. Now this is important and it's a whole other sermon. What, where does sanctification come from? The truth of God's word. That's how we walk in it. Uh, Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I love this, I have sent them into the world. Jesus is praying, sanctify them. May the word of God be rich in their lives. May it dwell in their heart richly. And that's our prayer going into the second half of this year, that God's truth And his word would sanctify us as a church. What does that mean? That it would cause us to become all that he's created us to be. That it would shape our mission. That it would shape our ministry. That it would shape the life of our church. That it would shape our culture. Yeah. That it would shape us as we go forward. That his word is our truth. It's not Brad's word. It's not your word. It's the word of God, living and active. And that's who's leading this church. Amen. Amen. Set apart, not of this world. Again, there's a separation. He's praying that the truth would transform. The Apostle John writes this in 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. That's good. But remember, who is he writing to? Christians. That you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, oh my goodness, did he? put your hand up if you sin this week. Just kidding, you don't have to. Who did the biggest sin? You know, let's, let's go around and share group time. Not really. It's like sin is in the world. We're family here at Kalamunda, so we, we, we just get comfortable with each other. Um, but if anybody does sin, we have, I love this, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, capitals, the righteous one, an advocate with the Father, interceding on our behalf. When the devil points to your sin, the Jesus points to his scars. It's paid for. He points to them holes. It's paid for. And so he's saying to this church, hey, don't be surprised by sin. Sin is real. And even though, let me read it, I wrote it down better than I could say it. Um, He's not claiming that we need to be saved every time we sin. His sacrifice is once and for all time. But if we do sin, we have one, namely Jesus Christ, who on the basis of his death calls attention to his perfect righteousness in defense of a sinning saint. 
I love that. He advocates for believing saints that even though they still sin, they have the perfect righteousness of Christ and that is their real identity. And that that is the truth. Don't identify as a sinner. Identify as a saint. You're either one or the other. You can't be, I can't be in Muck and Budin and Perth at the same time. It's impossible. I'm either in one place or the other. You're either a saint or you ain't. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're either forgiven or you're not forgiven. And I guarantee if you've trusted in Jesus, you are a child of the living God. I don't identify as a sinner, but hey, I'm seeing some progress. I'm in a process. I'm not perfect yet, but I'm on the way. I'm in this sanctification. And we're praying for that for our church. We're praying because that's, that's what we're all about. We're all about people. We're not about a show. We're not about just doing something and then going home. We're about you becoming all that God wants you to be. And that's exciting to know that you don't have to be perfect, that you're on a journey. And that's okay. In John chapter 8, there was a lady that was on a journey too. She was on a bit of an interesting journey. And what the religious leaders got this lady and they brought her in front of Jesus and they said, Hey, this lady's been caught in the act of adultery. She's, Jesus didn't say she's on a journey. In, right in the act. And they pull this lady and there she is. And she's right in the middle of accusers and an advocate. She's right in the middle. And Jesus looks out and, he, and as you know the story, when Jesus says some things, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but he says to this woman, when all the, uh, the accusers leave, she says, where are those that condemn you? He said to her, and they're not here. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. I'm giving you a fresh start, but here's the thing at Kalamunda, we're big believers here, well, I am anyway. I'm a big believer that transformation and fresh start are preceded by grace and not judgment. They're preceded by no condemnation. It's when people know that the condemnation has been taken off of them. It's when they get the grace of God. And the grace of God is what teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, as we looked at last week. It's his grace. It's his mercy. And that's, this woman could leave her life of sin, not because she got her life together, because she'd encountered grace. And grace is not a theology. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. Have you encountered him this morning? He's grace. He is grace. Romans 8.33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is it God who justifies? Sorry, it is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. And is that, catch this, and is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. He is praying for our sanctification by his word. He's praying for our transformation. And we want to let that be a prayer point for our church going forward, for our community going forward, more than that. When I think of the Kalamunda Church of Christ, we don't, don't think about these four walls. Don't ever think about just who's here. When you think about our church, think about everybody in this community. They don't have to be saved yet to be on the church's hit list. Amen. But but God's got them in his scope and we are called to see them, to see that as our community and we want to see them come to know Jesus because we love him that much and love them that much. Now when we have this kind of uh, understanding of our Jesus, uh, Jesus interceding for us, it gives us confidence in two places. Confidence before God. That we're not perfect but that's okay because he's interceding for us. Like we're on a journey, we're growing. But it also gives you confidence before people because you know that the same truth 
that you don't need to bow to the fear of people and men and what they think of you, that God is interceding for me. He's praying for me. And lastly, uh, another one, Jesus' prayer, and make this on our, our number three prayer point going forward in the second half of this year. Jesus is praying for our unity and our oneness. It says this in John... So let me have a sip. Sometimes I listen to my podcast and I go, Slow down, Brad. You talk so fast. Anyway, unity and oneness. So John chapter 17 verse 20 says this, My prayer is not for them alone, as in the believers just there. I pray also for those who will believe, you're sitting next to one of these people, by the way, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them, that's us, may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, Catch this bit, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, Jesus really is passionate about oneness, about his church being in unity. Now, unity is never uniformity. And unity is not sameness, that everyone's the same. Unity is best defined in Jesus' words as oneness. It's being one in heart and mind about the main things. Do you know another thing that the Churches of Christ denomination was founded on? I've got a book in my office, by the way, you can probably tell now. It's called The DNA of Churches of Christ. One of the key things was that in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, diversity. In all things, grace and love. What are the essentials? I'm telling you, there's not too many of them. The Lordship of Jesus, the authority of the Word of God. Um, saved by grace through faith, like the, the, the core thing. We, we, we have unity around that. And, but I can sit in other churches and I can sit with other believers and I can have fellowship with other believers who don't believe half the stuff I believe about the gifts of the Spirit or don't believe about the, the end times, how I believe. It's okay. They're non-essential items. They're not the main thing. And that's okay to have diversity and still, still love each other. Imagine that. Imagine having people that still love each other, though we're different. And that's why I love when the church is gathered, when we gather on a Sunday, it's an expression that we are all so different, but we are together and we are one in Christ because the same blood that forgave this little sinner up here is the same blood that forgave you. Now I'm a saint, by the way, just want to get back to my message. But the same blood that saved us from our sin is the same blood. And I'm, I'm, I'm just one of you, and we're together on this journey, yeah? And so this unity and oneness is... It, Jesus is praying for it for a reason, because the enemy is attacking it. The enemy wants to divide and conquer, and he will try and strike shepherds, so that the sheep scatter. Have you ever heard that one? And so that's not just me as a pastor, but I know I'm on his hit list. I know there's a target on my back. That's why I used to love being like a youth and associate pastor because it just felt a bit easier under that, under that protection. You sort of, there's a bit less pressure. And then you can always say, no, nah, that's what they said. And then when you get in the senior pastor role, it's like, it's like he gets a big target. So I appreciate your prayers and I'm okay to be vulnerable. Please pray for me. I covet them. I would love more prayer. And, and, but I've got Jesus praying for me too, which is really good news. But so have you. And so we need to pray for one another that this unity would be protected, that the spirit of unity and the bond of peace, that we would be mature and grow up in our faith to protect that. Does that make sense? You know, there's 167 hours a week that we're not at church and actually probably a half because it's a bit after 10 now. And so that's really where, where it's all about. The church scattered is where God does most of his work. 
This is a, such a short time that we have as a church when we're together. And so the real ministry happens when we leave the doors. And the more that we are in unity and connected, the more we'll see the Holy Spirit do supernatural things. Not just supernatural things like the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Supernatural things in your family when divine connections are made. Supernatural things in relationships. Supernatural things in provision. Because the Holy Spirit is free to move in a place of unity. Let me prove it to you. Acts chapter 2. As the worship team come back up if they're they're cool cool to. Acts chapter 2. They were all together in one place, in one accord. And boom! The Holy Spirit come. The day of Pentecost. What was he looking? for? He was looking for a a church in unity. They were together, one heart, one mind, one purpose. Many had left that group, by the way. There was like more than 500 or something that were were called to that place. There's 120 left. But these were the ones that were serious. These were the ones that were prayerful and in unity with one another. And God moved on that. And he still does it today. The Holy Spirit moves on marriages that are in unity, yeah? Yeah. And that's no condemnation if you're going through a hard time in your marriage. It's, it's normal. We're all on a process. The Holy Spirit wants to bring unity there. In your family, with your relationships, with your children. Maybe there's someone that you need to ring this afternoon that's out of unity and God's just prompting on your heart. I want to I make, make ground on that. I want to make reconciliation there. The Holy Spirit is passionate about unity. In fact, in Genesis 11, when they were built, the people were building the Tower of Babel, Babel they were building that tower to make a name for themselves and doing it with a wrong heart. And the Bible says that God came down and he, scat, he, he, he um, changed the languages. And all these languages came out and they couldn't communicate. You know why that was so powerful? In fact, God made an amazing statement and he said this when he saw what they were trying to build and make a name for themselves. He said, if as one people in, one, in unity they can do this, nothing will be impossible for them powerful statement that the power of unity brings supernatural production. It's incredible. And he scattered the languages there. And then in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit come and Peter gets up and the apostles and they're speaking in tongues and they're speaking in other languages, he brought all these people together and brought unity and brought languages that people couldn't understand each other through a supernatural outpouring. He brought them together and they were of one language. They could understand their language. A powerful thought. And I believe God is wanting you and me to speak the same language, the same language of love, the same language of the gospel, the same language of the kingdom of God in such a way that people in this community come to know Jesus. Yeah? I'm going to pray in a minute. I'm going to close off. But I just want to, just want to reinforce these three areas of prayer, that we're going to be praying for unity and oneness for transformation and sanctification in our lives and for strength and for protection because to make no doubt about it, the devil is out to steal, kill and destroy. And he doesn't take holidays and he is out to destroy. And you may be seeing some of that destruction around you right now. And I want to pray a prayer in a moment of a fresh step, a fresh direction, a shift in our hearts towards him as we focus on these three prayers. Is that cool? Would you stand with me? And if you're comfortable to close your eyes, I'm going to pray these, a prayer over you. Father, we just thank you this morning. Actually, just while we're in this moment of prayer and, atti- and this attitude of prayer, I just want to encourage you, if you're comfortable to, just... 
Maybe there's a specific thing that God's challenging you about. Maybe there's a specific thing in one of these three points that he's asking you to focus on. I just want to give you this moment now, in this moment, just to pray in your heart. interesting thing this week in an article that said when this family were raising their kids to learn, learn, teach them to pray, they said there's just three prayers to their kids. They said there's thank you prayers, there's please prayers, and there's sorry prayers. I just feel in my heart, just maybe there's something, one of those is where your heart is at the moment. Lord, thank you that you meet us where we're at. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here now. And I just pray, Father, over our church and I pray over every person in this room this morning. Maybe they're, maybe they're not a Christian this morning. I want to say we love having you here. You don't have to believe to belong in this place. We just love you because God loves you. He, you may not believe in him, but man, he believes in you and he loves you. And so, Father, I just pray over every person, Father, for your strength and your protection against the schemes of the enemy. Lord, I pray over our church for sanctification and transformation. And I thank you, Father, that when the accuser points to our sin, we can just, we know that Jesus is there interceding, pointing to what he has done. Thank you for being our great high priest, our prayer partner. And Father, we pray for unity and oneness. And whatever that looks like, Lord, sometimes it's not easy. I just pray you'd give us the strength and maturity to maintain the spirit of unity. Father, I speak those words over our church and I just speak it into the future as we go into the second half of this year. As we come into a season of prayer, Holy Spirit, continue to lead and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.